0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. The Final try and for the touchdown. What a great second. Here the, oh, here comes the ball. Oh, here comes the ball. Oh, Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Week 13 Fantasy Preview Show. It's the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. We're paving your way to fantasy glory, fantasy excellent. We're feeding fantasy wolves. We're breeding fantasy wolves. You've heard it all before, but it doesn't make it any less true every single episode we do right here. I'm, of course, your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself and we're in an interesting position because we're coming out of an unusual Wednesday football game. A Wednesday day game. Hasn't been a game on Wednesday in the NFL since, I think, 2012. And I can't wait to die. I heard it was a real shit bag of a game. I was actually... Playing, uh, I was I ran full court scrimmage. I'm a fifth and sixth grade girls basketball coach, and from what I understand, our scrimmage was probably better than uh, the product that the Ravens and the Steelers. But I was dominant, by the way, in the scrimmage. I, I completely dominated the paint. I'm happy to say. Um, anyway, before we get into it, because we got a lot of good stuff to talk about, I'm going to kick it to my co-host, the Wolf, for an important message before we get into the meat of the show. Yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Stoked to dive into this week 13 preview, only one week to those fantasy playoffs, but I do want to hit a quick ad promo for our guy, Josh Larkey. Uh, awesome stuff going on. Our Roto Street crew's actually taking this course, so here's what we got for you. This summer, uh, Roto World, great right now. Hayden Winks tweeted out, the fastest way to get hired in the fantasy space is to learn R and post things on Twitter, noting how dozens of people got hired in this uh, using this route in just one week alone over the summer. How does someone with little to no coding experience learn this programming language? Introducing Josh Larkey's R course, found on thatrcodingsite.com. Josh at jlarkey J tweets on Twitter, has used R to spearhead many analytic projects at thegreatplayerprofiler.com, including their expected points added, injury models, and breakout finder app. So forget your monotone lectures from out-of-touch professors and their meaningless data sets. Everything in this course is centered around football and designed for sports fans and complete coding beginners alike. By the end of Josh's 6-12 to week course, you'll be able to create detailed visualizations and DFS optimizers, run your own predictive models and simulations, and so much more. So tackle one of the fastest ways to get hired full-time in the fantasy space by checking out thatrcodingsite.com. It's the word that, the letter R, and codingsite.com. Check that out. Wolfpack. Tell him the Wolf sent you. Uh, find him at tweets. It's a great looking course, and we're going to have uh, seven staff members checking it out this week. Uh, so we'll have ultimately more testimonials and things, but super stoked for that. And if you're interested in learning some code, uh, it sounds like this is going to be a real winner. So excited to give you that, that a pilot here. Uh, so Josh, thanks again for that.
0: Awesome. Uh, thanks for reading that. And I can't wait to see what happens as a result. Seriously. So thanks a lot for throwing that our way and making it available to our guys. Wolf, I understand that one of your fantasy seasons at least came to a screeching halt this week. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. Yeah. I lost, uh, I, I scored the second most in the point, uh, leagues in, points in the league and still lost. I was facing Derek Henry and Will Fuller in two out of my three leagues this week. Screeching halt. Just kicked to the nuts. Uh, Again, the second most points, like 170 in a league where you only start two receivers. It's half PPR. I mean, it was a, I had had Gibson. I had monsters and he just had that many more monsters. So real kick in the dick for uh, my Holy Cross league. My good buddies there. Uh, Good luck to all of them. You little fuckers, but I'm still alive in the Fez baby back to back. High score weeks for a team that was getting out of the doormat of the league. Everyone was booting. You were. You were a walking joke. Oh, my God. Walking joke. Traded Christian McCaffrey for Nick Chubb and Justin Herbert. As any longtime listeners on here, here no. Uh, And that has just turned everything fucking around. So I am I am cruise control. If I win this week, winning in 3-0, oh, I mean, again, back-to-back high scoring weeks. The wolf is back, baby. I just need one more. Let's go. Let's get it. Uh, how about you? You in shape? You locked up and clinched any playoff
0: spot? I clinched my playoff spot officially, and my team absolutely blew up this week. So I'm pr- pretty happy. It was pretty awesome. Uh, I had already had the win, and then I went into the Monday night, I believe, game. And I had Chris Carson, I had DK, and I had Dallas Goddard, and they all had very good games. How about Goddard, dude? Oh man, I'm fucking loving that guy. How about I'm DK?
1: Happy out.
0: DK. He well, was dominating obviously. the Eagles the way I was dominating the fifth and sixth girls AAU practice today, <laughs> and all over Slay too. Supposedly one of the right. best cover corners in the league. Like,
1: yeah, and he dropped he
0: dropped a touchdown.
1: Yeah, it could have been like a forty point night. And had he had he caught that, I would have continued on into the playoffs. Actually, oh, or maybe I would have had my that. life still alive. He was yeah. doing his best heroics to save me, but alas, didn't happen for me. Sadly, Wolfpack too. If you're out there, where, regardless of where you're at you don't mind, that Nat's got the queued up. He knows what's going on. That thumbs up button, that like button, that heart button, wherever you're at. If you don't mind retweeting, sharing, uh, you're getting uh, some more people on this broadcast so we can answer more questions, it would mean the world. We're going to hit all your favorite segments, your trainer's room, all the news you need to know. Uh, then we'll hit your higher, lower, Hail Mary, our burning questions of the week, our new segment that we debuted last week. Got a lot of great ones for week 13. It's crucial playoff crunch time. So consider giving us that thumbs up, Wolfpack, helping us get discovered by more people. Uh, It would really, really help us out. We'd greatly appreciate it. And on that note, should we just dive right in there? Let's get into it.
0: Let's get into it. Thanks for indulging. All right, we're into the trainer's room. Model guy in the logo, as I said, I suspect is Jordan Reed, but that's not confirmed. Lions are going to be a, this is a quote, faster-paced team. Under Daryl Bevel, well, it's a low bar. Will DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay be in? What can you tell us, Wolf? Yeah, so interim head coach who,
1: admittedly, Bevel, he's got a weird history. He's got like the Marshawn Lynch era where he just pounds it, pounds it, pounds it. And then last year when he took over the OC job for the Lions before Stafford went down, they were slinging it. They were running it like one of the fastest places. That's why we were so pumped about Stafford preseason and it just seems like there was a slug laying on their back all year. Maybe the fat fucking sluggish body of Matt Patricia was what was hanging over this entire fucking organization. <laughs> so I'm stoked. <laughs> He's a rocket that scientist. already coming in, preaching pace in practice, saying it's a weapon we're gonna use against defenses. I, I love that. They're they're right now like 13th in pace, so not like dead last or anything, but 18th in place per game. Obviously, you know, the teams we see running at that fast clip have the, the highest fantasy power. Uh, so DeAndre Swift, if Galladay ever comes back, it's good for him. Marvin Jones, Hawkinson. More plays means more fantasy points. And a faster pace means more plays. So I'm happy to see that. It's just a matter of now, who do we get this week? Because Swift, they're optimistic of his chances of returning, said Bevel. uh Galladay was sidelined at Wednesday's practice with all this time off. The fact that he's still not even getting limited sessions in. My guess is Swift is back. Holiday's not I would love though that what I really think this offense could become if it's a faster pace if it's pedal to the metal no huddle that probably means Swift is just staying on the field at all times and if you know three down Swift workhorse roll good lord like I've I, my, my pants are getting tighter down here right now uh, Andre Swift is so goddamn good so in an every down roll with a fast-paced offense that's what this guy needs to take off and we've seen Bevel. Uh, commit to workhorses in the past, so I'm stoked to see what this means. Uh, I don't think it's just going to be coach speak. I'm really excited to see it.
0: Am I am I a bad person for just assuming that the lines are still going to be terrible and that none of this matters? <laughs> I think they're going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're probably going to keep losing. I know I it's a fantasy fantasy fans. show primarily, exactly. But I mean, fantasy bananas. Yeah, that on, means four points they're for the off. opposing team,
1: like <laughs> the faster pace. You see that with the Cowboys, right? The, the beginning of the year with Dak, there's nobody running faster paces than them. Uh, And it's not like this is going to be a DAC-powered offense. But still, fast-paced offenses, even if the Lions suck, breaking news, they will continue to suck. But it just means more plays for them, more plays for the opposing team, fantasy goodness for
0: everybody. That's what I love to hear. All right, let's move along. Uh, Colts activated running back Jonathan Taylor from the reserve COVID-19 list. Is he back to being a bell cow? Man, we were down on this guy for a while, and then he came through and he had one good game, and we were like, maybe, maybe, and then he had COVID. Or was on the COVID list. And so now we're kind of back to square one a little bit. We're cautiously optimistic. What do you think?
1: I'm I'm pretty cautiously optimistic in the sense that he didn't – he was a close contact. So thankfully he he didn't have it. It's not like he's coming in like weakened from the disease or anything of that nature. He should be just back to Jonathan Taylor. And we saw 26 touches, four receptions, uh, 22 carries. Last time he was out there and he walks right back into Houston, the easiest run D on the league. So if there's a script here – it's that you pound the rock against Houston. For whatever reason, the Patriots didn't get that memo when they got smoked by Houston. Uh, but still, you got to imagine a lower-powered Houston attack, which we're going to talk about in a little bit with no Will Fuller. Uh, oh. If the Colts can get out to an early lead, that it's going to be another day of Jonathan Taylor just pound, pound, pound. He was in over 50% of the snaps last time. I think we could get that again, and this is the ultimate spot. For a runner like him. And he finally was running. Like, again, like we said, with those touches, it's kind of like Derrick Henry in a way where he gets steamrolling. He's a big body. So, like, the more and more he can pound into the defense, the less and less likely they're going to want to be to tackle him. So, I would not be shocked to see like a Henry Light stretch run here against these easy, easy schedules kicking off against
0: Houston this weekend. You better be sure you include that light at the end when you say that. (laughs) I don't want, I don't want on this fine program. To be comparing these two guys too closely. Derrick Henry is a bad motherfucker. Oh yeah. Jonathan Taylor <laughs> had like one good light. game and then he got COVID.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> this is a very, very light Derrick okay. Henry. Not right. even like diet, Splenda, whatever the fuck. This is a he's great.
0: like Jonathan Taylor's like Derrick Henry, but in one of those slim cans, you know, yes. like that uh what's white claw seltzer or something comes in. Exactly. Like one of those guys.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right, moving along. Eagles have activated tight end Zach Ertz, ankle <laughs> injury from injured reserve. Any impact on surging Dallas Goddard, who, by the way, had a really good game. We we alluded to this briefly. Don't you feel like they'd be just dumb if they let Ertz gum up the works here?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Goddard <laughs> has been an absolute monster, a fantasy you know, 16 and 17 in back-to-back weeks, the tight end four and tight end one. There's no way this is going to impact his role, in my opinion. At this point, as you said, they'd be morons to reduce what this guy is doing, and he's going deep down the field. Uh, This guy's –
0: Yeah, he had a couple long, uh, you know, like 40-yard passes that maybe like a better pass he probably would have caught.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like he's having these big days, and they could have been – 25 points based on the way yeah. that he's getting overthrown or underthrown by the shitty-ass Wentz. Like, the fact that he's having 17 and 16 points with that garbage thrown in the rock is so impressive. I don't think Ertz is going to impact him at all. I know some people are getting skeptical, nervous. It's always been a very heavy, two-tight-end set system. And, and Ertz, is, there's no way he's coming back to the tight end one role. If anything, it, it helps take away a little pressure. He had a 22-point day. Goddard did when both of them were on the field to begin the season. I think we see just – This has no impact. I'm not worried at all. I'm not scrambling to pick up Ertz either. I mean, tight end is so desperate that maybe if you're like, I don't know exactly where I'm going to rank him, like tight end 24. You'd have to be pretty fucking desperate to put in Zach Ertz because he was useless without Goddard, useless with him. Uh, He's useless. This has no impact on me. I just wanted to put this on there just to say, like, stay strong with Dallas Goddard because he's going to continue to kill it.
0: I spent like 18 bucks in my auction on Ertz. Oh, sick. Sickening. Yeah. Oh I'm, I'm so I'm still angry about it. Anyway, let's move along. I don't we don't need to talk about that anymore. Daniel Jones, hamstring issue, is not practicing Wednesday. Impact on Giants offense. Yeah, there's actually a decent impact. Like you'd you think like
1: Daniel Jones is shitty as he's been, it's like who gives a shit? Next man up. But then when the next man up is Colt McCoy, who hasn't started a game in I mean, what, oh, four years? I think it is. At this point, and wasn't and she, he battling I, Kirk Cousins for the Washington job once upon a time? Exactly right. <laughs> That's he, that was the last time I think he actually started a game. Was way back then. Uh, which is alert, He you know, lost that. He's got no arm strength. He's always been a pop gun like guy, which could favor. And we'll talk about Sterling Shepard a little bit later in my wide receiver higher lower Hail Mary. I think it could favor a guy like him, a guy like Slayton on the other end, who makes a lot of big plays, goes down the field. I don't like this at all for him. I think the whole offense as a whole takes a decent <laughs> size hit because uh, Jones does bring some threats with his legs. He can move it down the field. I I mean Gallman should be okay. You probably think that Gallman's going to be an even bigger focal point of this offense. Uh, ultimately, you're talking about a shitty quarterback getting replaced by a shittier quarterback. So a bad offense. Down bite right
0: there. Big, that, exactly. That's the clip right there. That's, that's all what you the need. banner should say.
1: That's all. Yeah, exactly. shitty quarterback gets replaced by a shittier one. That's really it. A bad offense gets a little bit worse. Shitty
0: offense just got a little bit shittier, or maybe exactly. a lot shittier. <laughs> exactly. All right, moving along. Salvin Ahmed, shoulder injury. He returned to practice on Wednesday. Is Miles Gaskin also dealing with a knee issue? Will he be back too? And if so, what's that mean?
1: There's been no rumblings. I, I scourged the internet all, all afternoon trying to find something on Miles Gaskin. Uh, but all the reports were he was damn close to coming back last week. And it, they must have just thought, like, why waste it against the Jets? Uh, there's no need to force this guy back onto the field for this shitty situation. My guess is both return. And then the question becomes, okay, so what is the, the distribution? It's been a pretty much a workhorse system all year, whether it was Gaskin to start the year, 80% of the snaps, you know, 75% of the touches. And then Ahmed, when Gaskin went down, became that 80% of the snap, 70% of the touches. Even last week, like they tried Breida out, Breida continued to blow, and they just started to feed DeAndre Washington down the stretch. They want one back to be the guy in this chan Gailey spread attack. I I think Gaskin is that guy, assuming he's healthy, but Ahmed did play so well that it could just be go to like – the one reason you like this backfield was consistent, steady volume, as I just outlined. If it it becomes a 50-50 split, in an offense that just isn't that great, especially when Tua's at the controls, and we're going to talk about him in, in a second here. Uh, yeah, it's. I I hope it doesn't become a committee, but I, my guess is it just might, and I'll I'll be cautious when I'm approaching this backfield for sure this weekend.
0: All right, we're fortunate enough to have. Uh, you know, we're going to jump right into Tua because we just mentioned him. We've got a, a. I love these quotes. There is a, and this is a direct quote, folks. A degree of optimism internally. Mm. End quote. To attack the ball, uh through his thumb issue, will play against the Bengals. You love it when there's just a degree of optimism internally. That's exactly. I, man. That's what really like helps you sleep at night. How many degrees uh, are we talking here? Are we like a, a degree. Angle? It's a single degree. It says there's a degree. Yeah, there's one degree the of back. optimism internally that Tua will play <laughs> against internally, internally right, right. right, um, on the inside. So, dude, you know, riff on that for a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only really thing to know here is if Tua starts, the whole offense takes a hit because Ryan Fitzmagic slings, especially Devontae Parker. I mean, insert Fitzmagic, insert 14 targets last week for Devontae Parker. Yeah. It's like clockwork, those two, uh, and the rapport they have. So Tua coming in would obviously be bad news for Devontae Parker and his target share is dominant alpha workload. Um, And just in general, he does not move the ball nearly as much downfield. Uh, Needs the guy to be wide open. There's a good clip actually recently that showed Fitzmagic talking to Tua on the sidelines being like, you got to just sling that. Like even if the guy seems covered – hit him right before he makes his break, like give him a chance to make the play. And maybe Tua, we haven't seen him play since he was getting that tutelage from Ryan Fitzmagic on the sideline. So who knows if that will impact his, you know, aggressiveness. We'd love to see because the guy can throw a nice ball. It's just a matter of he's he's so slow and needs the guy to be wide open. And it just the offense becomes so much more sluggish uh, with Tua at the helm. And the matchup's juicy, so I hope it's Fitzmagic that can take advantage of that and not to, uh, we will find out, of course, if that degree of optimism
0: is uh, justified. All right. We got a whole section now dedicated to injured Falcons. Okay. This the Falcons, the world beaters that took apart the Raiders 43 to 6 last time we saw them on the field. Anyway, uh, you know, they came, they had nowhere to go but down after that. And evidently yeah. they're heading there right now. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Todd Gurley all limited ahead of their upcoming date with the Taysom Hill-led Saints who just dispatched the Broncos, the quarterbackless Broncos, 31-3. to
1: What an embarrassing game that was. I just had to throw that in.
0: It has nothing to do with this, but I just wanted to mention the Denver Broncos played without a quarterback this week. Just gross. One Uh, for nine, 13 yards, two picks. (laughs) So bad.
1: That That was the most ridiculous game I think I've ever had to put my eyeballs on for even a second. Like whenever it popped on red zone, I was just like, come on, no, go away. Nobody needs to see this shit. Uh, but this should be a better one. We had a decent game between the Falcons and the saints last time they were out. Um, And it looks like everybody should be available all limited practices, but it is worth noting Julio did practice limited last week before ultimately sitting Gurley did not practice all week. So the fact that he's getting some sessions in does bode well for his future uh, this week, but ultimately he's facing the toughest run D in the league right now. The saints are giving up the fewest points to running backs. Gurley is a touchdown or bust option. I don't like his chances at scoring, especially if they get down big early for these Taysom Hill-led Saints at all. So Gurley's like my running back, like 35. I If I don't have to start Gurley, like give me Frank Gore's old ass instead of Gurley this year. Oh, this he's year. on my bench. Yeah, there you go. I would I would have freight Gore on in instead of Gurley uh, if you have Gurley as well. Julio Jones should be back in. Uh, Ridley should be out there, and I think both are top fifteen receivers every single time they're out there. Really, honestly, close to top twelve. This Saint secondary is not the strength of this defense. Lattimore's taken a few steps back this year, uh, so I would would start both those guys with confidence. The one risk, of course, with Julio is a reaggravation. Does he limp off to the sides? Like that's always a concern. But the fact that they've given this now two weeks of rest. If he's out there, you got to think like with nothing really on the line to play for this season that they wouldn't put him into harm's way unless it was like they they feel really strong about him. So if he's out there, I think both guys are right into your top twelve receivers.
0: All right, moving on. This is a this is a pretty serious injury list, by the way. This is right. a long injury segment. Yeah, Irv we got Smith. two more here. Yeah, we're going pretty quick though. We got like we've only bet fifteen minutes on the injuries. Oh, yeah, Irv, we're we're, we're bopping. Irv Smith back issue did not practice. Kyle Rudolph streaming upside once again. Yeah, tight end sucks so bad. It sucks horrendously. It's the biggest
1: sucker of all time
0: uh, right now.
1: This has been – like I know every year we say tight end sucks. I feel like this has to no, be – No, no, this, this is way worse than usual. This is even worse than usual. Uh, but Rudolph last time – the only reason we bring this up is because of how bad tight end is. If there's anything we can grab at, we're going to take it. And Rudolph's only 15% owned. He played 78% of the snaps last week. Got season highs, eight targets. Seven catches and 68 yards all the season. It was this close to breaking a tackle to get into the end zone as well. Would have been a monster day for a tight end had he done that. And, oh, yeah, they're facing the Jaguars this weekend. So anybody that's facing the Jaguars is worth noting. Uh, we just saw Austin Hooper fucking score against the Jaguars, and he's useless. So I think Kyle Rudolph would be a top, dare I say, 10 tight end play if Irv Smith sits. Um, and at minimum, even if you don't need a tight end, like I have Goddard. I'm playing Goddard. My opponent's tight ends on by. He has Gronk. I'm gonna put a decent amount of chunk of my waiver wire fab into getting um, Kyle Rudolph, just because I don't want to have to face him. Because I really think 50, 70 yard ish range and a touchdown's well within his realm of possibilities, and I don't want to have to deal with that. How much fab you got left, just out of curiosity? $16. I got 16 bucks left, <laughs> and they're all going at Kyle
0: Rudolph. <laughs> That's 15 more than I got. All uh, right,
1: nice, Marty. You. Do you lose the um, ability to keep bidding on players once you're emptied, or can you still buy? Well, obviously you don't bid, but can you still pick people up? Yeah, yeah
0: you got to hope nobody else bid any money on them. But yeah, that,
1: okay. So then you that's have, not. You to,
0: to be up. able to pick somebody up, right?
1: There's there's some leagues that once you
0: run out of money, you can't pick anybody up
1: anymore, and that's well,
0: like that's insane. Okay. Obviously, I would have played it differently if I was in a league.
1: Of course, league. yeah, you'd have to have a little bit. My league's not like that either, so I'm I'm preparing to spend it uh, probably on Kyle this week. All right.
0: Well, all right, moving along. David Johnson, he of the running in quicksand boots. Concussion, injured reserve. He's eligible to return for week 13 against the Colts. Man, that guy's a dumpster fire.
1: Completely. I I want nothing to do with him, and I don't want anything to do with Duke, whether David Johnson sits or plays, uh, especially against the Colts. I know we just saw Henry steamroll these guys. Henry's an, an alien. Dude planet like this is not you can ever just say okay maybe the Colts aren't that good that's Henry just being an absolute he's Henry.
0: Jonathan Taylor heavy
1: that is Jonathan Taylor heavy baby exactly yeah like the bud bud light like the lightest bud like light seltzer is Jonathan Taylor and then like Bud Heavy it's, it's Henry's heavy.
0: like a 40-ish Schlitz with extra
1: alcohol <laughs> exactly uh but David Johnson I mean if he's playing you really don't want to use him he does have a pretty a couple easy matchups lined up after this, and who knows, maybe the time off gave his slow-ass legs a little juice uh, to, to rest up. I don't I don't expect that. I don't buy it. Um, if he's in, you're not playing either back. If he's out, you're not playing either back. But just a guy that I've seen dropped in a lot of places that hey, he might get volume down your stretch runs. So at least look for him and see. Maybe, maybe just maybe, yeah, this guy's worth picking
0: up. All right, Brandon Iuck. This is the last guy on the injury segment. He's activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. It's fairly significant right absolutely this guy had
1: 75 yards or more in three straight games uh one of the more explosive rookies in this great rookie receiver class get get it done after the catch can sprint downfield and do it deep I, I love this guy I think he's a great talent and what's most intriguing I guess is one of our burning questions so I shouldn't dig into do it too much but getting him and Debo who we just saw get 13 targets 11 catches 130 yards like having them both on the field yeah it's Nick Mullins so it's like How high-powered can we get? But still, that's some explosive weaponry that we have never seen together at once, and I'm stoked to see what this 49ers offense could look like with both Ayuk and and Debo Samuel on the field. It's going to be very, very intriguing to see how they use these guys and Monday Night Football, so it's going to be a primetime spot. Uh, Excited to see how that ends up panning out for sure.
0: All right, well, that's the injury list. Thanks for bearing with us. There's actually some good stuff in there. You ready for some questions that burn? Oh, yeah. I love – by the way, the fire above my head instead of the eggplant or the pile of shit Mm -hmm. that I'm used to on Sundays. So this actually is pretty cool. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like like my hair's on fire.
1: It's natural, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not on brand. I'm just saying, you know, I prefer the fire. So let's get into burning questions. Question number one, and this is obviously a pretty significant burning question. I heard some funny comments on this when, when you know, Fuller was... Declared using PEDs. Somebody, I think it was even on our site, put the comment in. I knew something was up when he hadn't like missed any games this year. Yeah. I had had the same exact thought. I've been like, exactly, yeah. No wonder he never got injured. But anyway, who's going to pick up Will Fuller's slack in uh in the Texans' office, if anybody? And can yeah. Deshaun Watson keep being a scoring machine? He he's like uh, fifteen touchdowns and zero picks in his last I don't know six games or something, something like that. He's doing a lot better than I was giving him credit for. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been absurd these last few weeks.
1: Uh, quarterback one, quarterback nine, quarterback nine, quarterback 16, and a win, toss that one out, disgusting windstorm. And then quarterback one, quarterback one, the last two weeks, back-to-back 31, 33-point days. Insane. This offense has been humming, and there is no way they hum nearly at that level without Will Fuller. He is a crucial cog to this attack. The deep speed, the ability to, to make the contested grabs. Uh, he kind of took over that. Again, I, I not DeAndre Hopkins ever. Completely different receivers, but you could see like when when plays were broken down, he was the one that Watson was like zoning in on, and just kind of like you make a play for yeah. a roller. and he often would make that play for him. Uh, so this is going to be a sore sore miss for this entire offense. There is no way they operate. Plus, the schedules about to really stiffen up. Um, and just a hint here: Deshaun Watson is my quarterback lower of the week for sure. I All think right. it's going to be a really big hit. On this overall offense, I do not think he's going to keep being the scoring machine he was. He might be closer to the, the early season when you're getting like 20 ish points, 15, your standard quarterback, like low end one, high end two, uh, is what I'm expecting from him. In terms of who could pick up, there's certainly going to be targets available. Nobody's going to bring what Will Fuller does to this offense, as I've, I've said a thousand times now, but who might pick up some of those targets? Of course, the first one everyone's looking at is Kiki Cutie, only 1% owned. Uh, he's had, you know, two 11 catch games. As a rookie, um, which was a, a rookie record to set that in your first game ever. That was also two seasons ago. He really has not had a relevant game. Since then, uh, I, I don't know that he still has any of the separation. Like he had some bad injuries and just hasn't looked quite like that guy. But he's the only other established one other than Brandon Cooks, who's gonna have to ascend to that alpha role. I think he can be an alpha. He he has been for the Saints. He was for the the Patriots. And when I say alpha, I use it very lightly, like a. A thousand yard guy that can Jonathan
0: Taylor version of Derrick Henry,
1: exactly a very, very light yes, exactly. I mean, Um, if your
0: strategy in week 13 is I'm gonna fill the vacuum in the Texans offense and that's gonna carry me to fantasy glory, I just don't think it's a winning strategy. No, not at all. Hot take,
1: not at all. Um, the only other names to consider. The, the Athletic reported they think that Jordan Aikens, the tight end, is going to get moved into the slot a little bit and be like a big-bodied slot. And again, with tight end being the shit show it is, he might be worth just a bench stash and see if that happens because, again, they're going to need someone to catch passes. And then the only other like direct – again, not comparison because Will Fuller is a freak – but Isaiah Coulter, uh, this rookie that was really flashing in camp in the preseason, I guess, uh, he's 6'2", 4'4, uh, wheels here. He was drafted 171 overall this year. Uh, and, again, no. it's too bad they released Kenny Stills because he seems like he would be you know, in a great spot to do some damage. But Coulter might be that like last bottom-barrel name that does more of what Will Fuller does than what Kiki Cutie brings to the table. So you might see this Coulter guy down the stretch end up picking up a little bit of the slack Uh, Worth a stash in very, very deep leagues. I just want to toss out.
0: Very deep leagues.
1: Very deep. Very, very deep.
0: All right. Moving along. Will Nick Chubb continue to monopolize the receiving and touchdown work for the Browns? We definitely, you know, there were some fairly smart people that thought that this was going to be kind of a split with Kareem Hunt. And that has not really been the case. You have benefited from that. You picked up Chubb in a trade where you finally Mm -hmm. gave up on McCaffrey. Um, you think he's gonna continue to be the guy? I think the last stat was like uh, 70 overall snaps or 67 and he had 40 plus of them.
1: Yep, exactly. He was in on over 60% of the snaps, 41 is 67. You're you're right there. Uh, and it was you know, that was the thing with Kareem Hunt was he was this is about the similar snap totals. They they've always been about sixty-forty all year. But Hunt was coming in on all the receiving downs and then yep. also vulturing the goal line looks. That was what was like infuriating. It's like you have this battering ram, Nick Chubb, and you're bringing in Kareem Hunt. He's getting stuffed on the one-yard line three times in a row. What the fuck are we doing? Uh, and ultimately, they saw that, and they made the switch this last week, and Chubb delivered with a touchdown. He delivered with like a 30-yard reception. That The receiving work, more so than anything, was kind of the shocker. We got no receptions for Kareem Hunt. I don't even think he got targeted, whereas Nick Chubb had three catches, three targets and all the goal line work, if that's going to be the case moving forward, then Nick Chubb's a, I mean, only two to three running backs you could ever have above this guy. Um, The only thing that was against him was the fact that he had to split time with Kareem Hunt, who was taking those gold money touches of receptions and touchdown work. I I hope, I mean, as the fantasy owner of Nick Chubb, I hope the answer to this is, yes, he dominates him. I do think Hunt is still a great player, and they'll probably get him back involved in receiving work. I think they're going to get down against the Titans early. So that's going to be very intriguing to see what happens. Uh, if it's, it becomes a negative game script, does Chubb still stay in or do they go to their third down receiving back, Kareem Hunt? But it would mean huge things for Chubb's rest of season value should he have those. And it would also mean you know, very down for Kareem Hunt. If he's only going to get a handful of like in-between the 20s touches and not even the receiving work, he would be borderline not, not cuttable, but you certainly couldn't have him in your lineup. So that's a big thing to monitor this week for sure.
0: All right. Is Cam Akers about to take over the Rams' backfield? It seems like it's open for somebody to take over. Why not this guy?
1: It sure could be, based on last week's performance. Nine carries, 84 yards, and a TD. Got the, the goal line carry the one, punched it right in after ripping off a 61-yard run. I wish he could run out the, the whole defense. He got trailed down by like pretty much everybody. He should have scored there. Uh, but ultimately, we're seeing that nice slashing style. He's reading the zone blocking well. Uh, we've seen these – late season booms from rookies before we're seeing it already this year. I totally think Cam Akers could be the next one, but I do want to make sure to caution. He's also been, even though he's getting a good amount of work when he's in, he's also been the lowest snap guy, 17 snaps in back to back weeks uh, below Malcolm Brown, below Daryl Henderson. And McVay's always been operating this committee all year. I don't know that we're going to see him go completely away from that ever. Uh, I do think Cam Akers could become the leader of the committee, but even then it's like, okay, uh, does that matter so much? Certainly worth owning. He's only 29% owned. Probably my favorite waiver wire pickup other than maybe Frank Gore. If you need, like, I need 15 touches this week, Gore's going to get you 15 touches. Akers is still a crapshoot, but gets Arizona, New England, and the Jets, then Seattle. Not a bad schedule for these Rams backs if and when someone can emerge. And if anyone's going to take over a three down roll at this point, It's going to be acres, so well worth owning, in my opinion.
0: All right. We talked about this one a little bit already. How will the 49ers wide receivers operate with both Debo and Brandon Ayuk on the same field? Obviously, both super talented guys. Is there enough to go around? I hope so. With Nick Mullins
1: at the helm, I I don't think there is. And I think it's going to be a lot more Debo than it is going to be Ayuk. Now, that doesn't mean Ayuk can't get deep and, and score, you know, still rip 75 yards, maybe find the end zone too. But in terms of like what they were designing, a lot of those like dink and short runs for Ayuk, I think a lot of that was because they didn't have Debo. They just needed somebody to take over that role. With him back, I think we're going to see what we saw from Debo last week, a nice 10-ish or so targets, uh, another 8 to, to 10 catches, hopefully approaching another 100-yard day. I mean, he looked fucking good. Like he he looked as healthy as he's looked uh, all season, just right back to that rookie, you know, late-season Boom! I think we're getting another late season boom from Debo. I think Ayuk will be a little more inconsistent now. Uh, We won't have that steady target floor, but there will be big plays to be had. Either way, I'm just excited to see what this offense could look like with both of these because Ayuk is a beast after the catch too. He's not like Debo might be the best in the league, but Ayuk's pretty damn close. Like as a rookie, he's showing some great skills after the catch. So I'm I'm very excited. That's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to do in his attack. I think both guys can coexist. But to me, my prediction is going to be, you know, Debo's a big chunk higher and IU does a lot of damage with what he gets, but it just won't be probably about half of what Debo gets is my prediction of how it will shake out.
0: All right. Uh, we actually touched on half of this one already too. Well, Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins returned to the workhorse roles they were claiming. We already talked about Taylor, Derek Henry, Light at length. What do you think about Dobbins? I mean, he had his moment kind of seemed like it was getting there. Then all of a sudden everybody had COVID. Exactly. And I'm, I'm a little more nervous for Dobbins because he actually did have COVID. They kept him out today. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he, him, and Ingram both ended up having it. Um. And again, hopefully, if there's no lingering effects, they are, you know, the most pristine athletes in the world. Yeah. Like, but you
0: know, there seems to be somewhat of a there seems to be a little a bit of a pattern of these pro athletes getting it and coming back and like they can function, but they they seem like they're missing something. I always come back to. Russell Westbrook in the NBA playoffs. He's one yeah. of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life. He just didn't look right after he came back. And, I mean, Cam has – I don't know if Cam is, like, just no longer a good quarterback or what. But he's – I mean, he's – you know, I'll use him as another example. So I wonder. I wonder if there's a lingering effect or not. Yeah, even Cam, though going to be
1: my example too. Yeah. Um, t- totally agree. Like, it, it, it could linger, and it could be enough that they go back to their three-headed, disgusting – fucking hmm. shit show of a, a backfield. So my, my guess is Taylor comes right back in, takes back over and, and does great work with it. I'm less certain about Dobbins. I hope it doesn't linger. I, he looks so good too. Uh, that's 60 when he had 60% of the snaps, all the goal line work, all the two minute drills. Like I hope to God, he still gets that. Cause we'd have a great RB two on our hands, a, a nice schedule. Uh, but I just, I'm not expecting it because it's like you said, there's some great athletes in the past have come back of just, Sluggish after this, there seems to be lingering in effects. I'm pretty nervous for the guy, and I'm not expecting a complete workhorse role in his return. Whereas I am for Taylor.
0: All right, fair enough. All right, will the surging Antonio Gibson remain a monster versus a tough Pittsburgh defense and a likely negative script? Yeah, that's the big question. The negative script is the big part because when
1: they're winning, he averages over 17 touches per game. He kind of bleeds the clock. He's the pounder. they're not likely to be leading very often, if at all, against Pittsburgh. They're also facing the team that's you know, lowering running backs to, I think, the fewest points at this point on the year. So both things are working against Gibson. But we did see in that Lions game, he stayed in for a good amount of the snaps even though they got down. It was a decent hit on the snap total, uh, but he still was involved. And then those last couple of weeks against the Bengals and, and then especially against Dallas – more work as a receiver, more work moving him all over the formation. That's what he can do. He's a converted wide receiver, lest us forget. So he can be in there for all three downs. And this would be a very telling week. This is the ultimate week to find out well, if we get down, is Gibson still going to be involved? And particularly, are they going to actually start using this receiving skill set? Because if that's the case, He's matchup proof. He's top five rest of the year. He's top five next year. Like he would be just confirmed bonafide stud status. We know he's going to be a bonafide stud when he faces the crap Cowboys in their, their up all game. We know he's a stud against the crap Lions. Can he do it against this monstrous defense and when they're behind? If so, then good Lord, we've got ourselves a fantasy
0: juggernaut. All right, moves on to our final burning question. Is Alvin Kamara officially dead until Drew Brees returns? Before you answer that, I'm just going to read some stats that are on the page. Fantasy points. I'm assuming this is half-point PPR, although this might be full PPR. Uh, Since week one, in order, 21, 34, 38, 19, 16, 19, 21, 13, 31. This guy's a effing point machine. Then two weeks ago, 11, you're like, "Eh, well, it's Kamara. Last week, six. He's been targeted three times total in the last two weeks, and caught one of them for negative two yards. This is Alvin Kamara we're talking about. Like, could you, who could have possibly ever, like, if I had said to you, hey, uh, Kamara is going to be healthy, like, three weeks ago or something, if I'd said, hey, he's going to be healthy in three weeks, and you're going to be talking about, is he is he playable? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, of course, you idiot. Right. It's disgusting.
1: <laughs> I mean, and you think there's no one that can ruin a guy like Alvin Kamara. He's so versatile. All you got to do is Come to find and- out there. there is. Apparently there is. It's when you put a tight end at quarterback, <laughs> like, oh, right. it's horrible. And, and all those stats you just rifled off are just the exact point. Like the fact that it's gone from literally 31 points two weeks ago to 11, then six, just worse and worse. It, it's, it's terrifying. And, and meanwhile, in the meantime, Latavius Murray had 10 points and then 25 points, had 19 carries last week, Latavius Murray to 11 for, uh, yeah. for Alvin Kamara. I don't know if that's just going to become the norm with Taysom Hills at quarterback because they just want to pound it and have this kind of run at you, beat you down physical team. Like, I mean, that's what they've become. And their defense lets them do that because their defense is sick. Uh, that I, I, well, Breeze is out. There is no guarantees with Alvin Kamara. Will I rank him I, yeah. probably 12 or so this week? Yeah, because it is Alvin Kamara. And I do think at a certain point, there's like, okay, let's get the ball to our most explosive playmaker. But they are winning. They're, winning, they're winning, though. They're handy. winning kind of big. Yes, exactly. Like, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If they don't have to force it to Kamara, uh, maybe they're not going to. And it's terrifying. It's scary. I mean, again, Kamara played 31 snaps to Latavius Murray's three last week. It was a dead even. I mean, uh, Latavius Murray's 30, rather. 31 to 30. Dead even snaps. It's terrifying. It's scary. You're, how can you bench Kamara at this point? I don't know. You'd have to – I mean, feel free to ask some questions here. If you have Kamara and you're like, hey, do I do this guy or or Kamara? Uh,
0: Yeah, give us us a Kamara or X player. Tell us – I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested thinking about that. I just think it's nuts we're even having this conversation, but it's a totally valid conversation to be
1: having. For all the – again, the points you rattled off, he was the fantasy
0: MVP. Like this was a guy that was – un by far. He was the wide receiver five, I think.
1: Yep, wide receiver. It was even higher. It was like the wide receiver four on just his receiving. Never mind all the rushing touchdowns and stuff. It was crazy. Insane. And and to have it come down to this, his poor owners like that. I know <laughs> that I don't is...
0: own him, but man, I would be so angry if I told oh, I don't
1: have him anywhere, but this is just sickening. Breeze is expected back at least in a couple of weeks. So we we shouldn't have this go for too long. But at the end of the day, Taysom Hill is winning. Yeah,
0: what a Kamara's fantasy owners might be knocked out of the playoffs by then.
1: <laughs> it could ruin it for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Disgusting. All right. Let's go on to higher lower and Hail Mary. Before we get into the meat of the Wolf's picks, I'd like you to just, you know, let's have a little accountability. Tell me where things shook out last week. How are you doing? Also, how how are you doing in the rankings now? The big, the big competition. I know mm-hmm. you had been up as high as four. Then yeah. I know you had a rough week. There was maybe a controversial pick that you uh, should have gotten to take back and didn't. Where yeah. are you right now? So I'm I'm this week hasn't been factored in yet because Wednesday, yeah. what's going on?
1: I think I'm having a good week. I don't know, though. It's pretty hard to like uh, – the weeks I've thought I've done well, I, I look at it and it's like week 11, Wolf is 130. You know, what the fuck? I thought I crushed right. it. And then the weeks I think I suck, I'm like number two. And I, I it's tough to get a hold on about exactly how I'm doing. Um, I'm hoping this week, though, I think I made some pretty good adjustments with all the crazy news going on. I, I'm excited. Fingers crossed. We'll find out tomorrow where I land. I currently rank 14th. So that's not bad. I mean top not 15 no. solid. Not bad. But I want to be back in that top ten. I, especially, I want to get back to the top five. Um, you said so there's like there's like
0: a couple hundred guys, five hundred guys.
1: Uh, yeah, like a few 200. hundred. Yeah, I think like three hundred ish or so. Okay,
0: so I mean, uh, you're you're in like the top five percent now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. We're, we're but, doing good stuff. Like it's. That's what like, we want. That's what I wanted to hear. Fifteen is good, but certainly top ten just has like a different
1: ring to it, and I and I would feel a lot better. And top five, number one, someday, someday, uh, we'll be up there, no doubt about it. it we'll be there. Um, Don't worry about
0: it. All right, higher, lower, Hail Mary, how'd you do last week? What positions did you excel at? Where'd you get burned? I did pretty
1: well across the board. Taysom Hill was a push. He was my higher. He finished a couple spots lower than I had him, but still higher than the ECR. Called it a push. Uh, Matt Ryan was my lower. That was a win. He finishes the quarterback 17. Uh, Danny Jones was injured. He was my Hail Mary, so I didn't count that one. He didn't even play the second half. He had 10 points at the first half, so I was like, okay, this one's looking pretty good, and he got dinged up. Uh, for running backs, I had both Patriots running backs as my higher. James White came through, uh, but I didn't think he was going to score both of the touchdowns. I thought they both were going to find pay dirt with no Burkhead. It turns out James White monopolized those. He was the running back 15. Big win for being higher on him, but Damian Harris was left in the cold running back 40. That was a loss. I was low on Ronald Jones. He scored a 33-yard touchdown. That's kind of how it goes with Ronald Jones. He's going to either be horrible or or he's going to score a big play. So I was wrong. Ronald Jones scored a big play. Uh, fuck, my bad. And then Gore was my Hail Mary. He crushed. He was the running back 19. Uh, steady volume, exactly what we called there. For my higher, Pittman was the, an L, although he did see nine targets. It just didn't get converted this last game. I still feel pretty good about Pittman moving forward, uh, but he was not as good. But then Curtis Samuel was my higher of the week. That was a W. Uh, he, he ended up scoring like 11, which – Put him above what the ECR had and, and right where I had him ranked. Tyler Boyd as the lower was a win, but T. Higgins was a loss because he ended up finding the end zone. Then Gabriel Davis as the Hail Mary, wide receiver 15. He came through for me. Uh, so three and two at receiver, two and two at running back, one, oh, and one at quarterback. And then tight end Tunyon was my guy, the number two tight end behind only Goddard this week. So that was a big win for higher. Andrews did not play today. So that kind of ruined that one. And then Will Disley was my Hail Mary. I'm not sure he caught a ball. I don't think he did. So that was definitely. I don't
0: remember his name being mentioned.
1: <laughs> Disley fucking blows. Uh, so done with the Disley talk. But overall, I went seven, four, and one. So not a bad week at all. Uh, up to forty-five, thirty-seven, and five on the season. So uh, after going under five hundred last week for the first time in the year, good to be three uh, three picks above five hundred and ready to keep it cooking this week for
0: sure. All right, let's get into quarterbacks: higher, lower, Hail Mary. Quarterback you're higher on than the experts, Ryan Tannehill going against Cleveland. You got him as your QB five. That's three higher than the experts when you're up that high, you know, five and eight. That's actually pretty significant. Three spots. I mean, I'm assuming this is just pretty much on the shoulders of the Browns defense or lack thereof. And this is the beginning of that Titans easy playoff schedule fantasy wise that you had been alluding to for a long time now, right? Exactly. Spark
1: it up against this Cleveland team. That's already not a good defense. And now they're going to be without Denzel Ward and probably their safety, Ronnie Harris and the two best players in that pretty bad secondary to begin with. That's not good for, for a Tannehill that can just, you know, burn you on the ground, burn you through the air. And they do have a better run D than pass D and especially now, Uh, ultimately it's not like anybody's going to stop Derrick Henry, but if there's like a funnel to this defense, it is to attack them through the air and I think they're going to have literally no problem moving the ball all day. And when we've seen Tannehill in those games, it often ends up being like Henry scores like thirty, Tannehill scores thirty. Uh, they both run in a score. They both, you know, it's going to be one of those games where the Titans just steamroll for forty-two points, and Henry's going to eat his, but also Tannehill's going to certainly get his uh, through the air, through the ground. Um, big fan of him. I would play him over. Dot dot dot. Intro this guy. <laughs>
0: And over Deshaun Watson, who we also like mentioned earlier, it's going against the Colts. You got him as your QB 10. That's five lower than the experts. We already talked about how he is going to be missing. Will Will Fuller, who's been just an absolutely huge part of the offense this year and a great bailout target. I thought you summed that up really well. When things seem to break down, it seems like a lot of times it just kind of heaves the ball in Fuller's direction. And more often than not, it seems to work. Well, that's not going to happen again
1: exactly. Uh, and and doesn't help that the first game without him is going to come against the Colts. Who, again, yes, we got, they got steamrolled uh, last week. But Derrick Henry is an alien. I just want to keep enforcing that. Uh, there's The third fewest points right now allowed two quarterbacks out of the Colts, 14.8 per game. And without his bailout guy, without his deep threat guy, I, I think this whole offense just shrinks into itself. And the only thing that could potentially save Watson is if he has to do more hero ball and run a little bit more and just kind of bail this team out with his legs, then he could probably hit some pay dirt that way. Uh, But ultimately, I think we're going to get a lot more of like the 16, 18, 21 point days that we saw at the beginning of the year. Uh, And that was with Fuller on the field. Then then we're going to get these like 30 point explosions. I don't know that we're going to see another one of those the rest of the year. Uh, And I think this starts, unfortunately, for Deshaun Watson owners, a tough stretch run for the guy. Um, And really, again, no fault to his own. The guy has been balling out. He's got a great arm, a great player. Love Deshaun Watson. Uh, But with this weapons cabinet, I mean, Brandon Cooks shouldn't be anybody's number one. And, you know, a 1A, 1B situation's fine, but not an alpha one. And when you look at who's behind him, Coulter and fucking Cutie are your your next two targets. Like, who is this guy going to throw to? It's hideous. It's ugly. Uh, Definitely lower on
0: Deshaun Watson this week and the rest of the season. All right. Hail Mary. Love seeing this guy's name come up. Mitch Trubisky, 4% owned. Uh, You got him as your QB18 Uh, You know, they got absolutely destroyed by the Packers. But I will say I had Allen Robinson, and he did pretty well. Exactly. Because that's (laughs) what Mitch does. This is the epitome of
1: horrible real-life, solid fantasy. Uh, The dude couldn't have looked worse on on the the Sunday night football. Well, uh, He could have.
0: I I think Foles has looked worse than that the last several games he's played. But your point's still well taken. He looked pretty terrible. Couldn't have looked worse than other than his own teammates. Okay, that's they, fair. They, uh, anyone out, right. He could have been, was not better than anyone, not on the bears. Roster. Exactly. It, it was horrible. And
1: yet he still was scoring 21 fantasy points. and was the quarterback six. And that was against a good Packers secondary yep. uh, with, you know, Jair Alexander on Allen Robinson. He just chucks it and lets his receivers do the work. And, it's kind of like Fitz magic in that way. Like, is it pretty? No. Is it good for real life? Probably not because there's going to be turnovers involved. But is the fantasy points going to eventually rack up because they're going to get down? They're going to have to keep chucking. He can also get it done with his legs. And, oh, he's facing Detroit this week. Uh, you don't need me to spell out how bad Detroit is as a defense. No, you don't. Hates most points to quarterbacks. But in, in particular, they struggle with the rushing quarterbacks. Wouldn't be surprised to see Mitch Chuck two to three scores. Chuck one in on, on the ground, trot one in. I think we could really get like a 25, 30-point day uh, at 4% owned. If you're desperate at quarterback or you're in a two-quarterback league, I think Trubisky and his schedule too, it's like a gift from the gods the rest of the way out. It's so like this is – it's the opposite of Deshaun Watson. I wouldn't play Trubisky over Deshaun Watson necessarily, but whereas he's getting a tough matchup and it just kicks off a bad string, we're getting a cake matchup for Trubisky and it's just all green the rest of the way. So I, I think this could kick off – I mean, he already kind of kicked it off with 21 points last week. I think Trubisky can really get it done down the stretch here for you. All
0: right. You probably heard it here first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Mitch Trubisky not getting much love a bunch of other places. Anyway, running backs. Guy you're higher on. We've talked about this guy two times already, but real quick, sell us on why you like him as your RB16. That's nine spots higher than the experts.
1: Exactly. We won't have to go too deep because, again, we've already covered him a lot. But, Taylor, I want to emphasize, I think he walks right back into a workhorse role, 140 rush yards per game allowed by these Texans. They are pathetic on the ground. Uh, We saw 26 touches for this guy last time out, four of them being receptions, had 15 points, was uh, the RB12. And I think he just picks up right where he left off. Uh, I I do get the sense, and this is just maybe a gut call, that they're going to just hand the reins over and see, what do we have in this rookie down the stretch here? Uh, I played 46 snaps compared to 29 for Hines and 9 for Wilkins the last time out. So right around 50% of the snaps. That's also a shitload of plays, 83 total snaps in a game. It's just like, even if he's only on 50%, 46 snaps is like more than some teams run on their own uh, as an entire unit. Never mind that he was only in on half of those. So the fact that they have that much volume available in this offense, the one thing I'm worried about is Jacoby Brissett getting these goal line vulture looks like, what are they fucking doing? Like putting him in and just running him in. I guess it's working. He's getting in, but fuck like that. That could kill Taylor Wilkins, whoever the big back is, if they keep doing that shit. Um, But ultimately I think he finds the end zone. I think we could get our first big, like, we haven't seen that like, 40 yard explosion TD from a Taylor. And he used to do those with regularity in college. I think this is the perfect defense for a real coming out party for Taylor.
0: All right. Lower. You're going to keep hammering this guy all season. If you know, what's good for you (laughs) Zeke against Baltimore, seven spots below the experts. And there's a theme here. CH versus Denver, seven spots below the experts, Duke Johnson versus Indianapolis. Also seven spots below the experts, triple seven here and not in a good way. Zeke seems just obvious. I mean, what is there there more to say about this guy? We just talked about this last week where he's the type of guy where you know he's going to do terrible. You're going to say he does terrible on the pod. You're going to be right, and you're still going to be surprised by how terrible he does.
1: Exactly. And he's the main one I wanted to highlight Uh, because six fantasy points, eight fantasy points, nine fantasy points, 19 had that good day, kind of fooled us all against Minnesota, very bad defense. And then three points last week, came back down to earth, has been running back 30 or worse in four of his last five weeks, 80% of the time.
0: That's horrible. 30 or worse. 30 or worse.
1: Like a low-end three at best is what this guy is giving you. And often, like last week was bench fodder as soon as you trusted him again. Don't trust him anymore. He's getting Baltimore, a good defense. Uh, they should be healthy back from the uh, the COVID list, ideally, uh, for their sake. I, I have no interest in Zeke Elliott starting in my lineup the rest of the year with a tough schedule. Uh, doesn't look right. I thought he was back and healthy after that 19-point day. He didn't look good at all against uh, uh, no, Washington. No, he sure didn't. Yeah, not at all. And you're not getting that involved in the receiving game at all. They're putting Pollard in for a lot of that. Just hideous. Don't get Zeke in your lineup. Hilaire as well. Like, I mean, it's it's the Mahomes show at this point. Maybe Denver is smart enough to like you'll force them to run the ball, and then Hilaire could have a bounce back. He's the one I feel the least convicted on about being low here, but I just, he just hasn't got it done. He, he's not getting it done. He continues to get ranked like he deserves it, and, and he doesn't. And then Duke Johnson it's like, what the fuck? Why, why is he – ever in consideration. Yeah, he had 15 points against the worst defense against running backs last week. It should have been a whole lot fucking more. Uh, he sucks, and he's a great defense, with or without David Johnson. Duke Johnson's a little bitch. I, he's had five points in two of his last three weeks, five or worse. I'm not going to go off this 15-point day and be like, yeah, now i got to start starting this guy. He fucking sucks. Screw Duke Johnson. All three of those guys, I think, are gonna bust this week.
0: All right, Hail Mary. Frank Gore, 25% owned versus Vegas. Also, RB25, Boston Scott, 28% owned uh, against Green Bay. We've seen their Swiss cheese run defense, and that's 12 spots above the experts on Boston Scott.
1: Yeah, feeling pretty good about both these guys, particularly Gore. I mean, 17 touches, two receptions uh, against the Chargers, a nice 15 points, RB13. Then comes in for 21 touches, three receptions, scores 12 uh, for 20. I mean, looks really, really legit right now. Um, It's just, like, gross. And when I say it looks really, really legit, I mean just really, really legit volume. The dude's not good. Like, it's not pretty. It's not great. It's not flashy. But volume is volume is volume, especially at running back. That's really all that matters. You know you're going to get 15 to 20 touches, and he's only 25% owned. I don't understand that, especially against the Raiders, giving up the fourth most points to running backs on the year. And Boston Scott gets, a, a, as you said, Swiss cheese. Green Bay defense giving up the second-most points to running backs. And he was near equal in terms of snaps to Miles Sanders this last week. Uh, Sanders had 50%. Scott had 43%. They put him in on almost all the passing situations at this point. You've got to imagine they're going to get behind against the Packers. This this high-powered attack is going nowhere. I think we're going to get a lot of burn from Boston. Scott would not be surprised to see him score a receiving touchdown at only 28% owned. Certainly a, a viable – like flyer plus you get that handcuff upside if anything ever does happen to Miles Sanders too
0: all right let's get into wide receivers you're gonna have to sell me on one of these Sterling Shepard uh going against Seattle wide receiver 27 six spots above the experts Nelson Aguilar wide receiver 32 seven spots above the experts Alan Lazard wide receiver 38 11 spots above the experts I know why you picked all these guys like fundamentally when I think of Sterling Shepard and this is when I think of Sterling Shepard with a decent quarterback, which I, I don't think he's had for many, many years. I think of, you know, how we talk about what's a football player like if he's a woman in a bar that you're picking up. Yes. Sterling Shepard is just such an unsexy guy. Like he's like, remember, we talked about how unsexy Eli was. I yeah. kind of consider them very similar. He's, if he's a woman you're trying to pick up in a bar, he's just a straight five. He's a five. Okay. So I, I see that. Like, there's no real appeal. I'm not excited. Doesn't like, doesn't dress in an appealing way. Not doing anything. Not the worst looking person I've ever seen, but he's a five. But this is the deal with that. Now I'm going to build on your,
1: your, okay, cool. uh, I think it's perfect. Cool. Like, I'm laying
0: you a nice little foundation here.
1: First, first glance. I'm, I'm with you. It's like a eh, Sterling Shepard, like ugh, not, nothing great, but you get him home and you know, you, you get to business and it's like, Oh, Okay, like undressed. you said they didn't wear anything sexy to the bar. They weren't grabbing nope. your attention. Nope. But suddenly you're like, wow, okay, interesting. I didn't expect that. And, and then it just ends up being a good performance all around. It's like nothing like mind-blowing, but it's just one of
0: those But it was an enjoyable head night. Head. At the end of the night, you had a good time.
1: You had a good time. They had a good time. You do it again. And it's like, okay, that was like reliable. <laughs> it was dependable. And that's yeah. what he is. Okay. That's fine. literally what that's he fair. is. That's he hasn't had less than six catches in a, a game that he's played all the way through in like two straight seasons. Really? So they're not sexy. Are you serious? Yeah, not six catches. And so PPR wise okay, – you sold me on it. I didn't, I didn't have any PPR. idea that was true. <laughs> it's it, like I mean, it's six catches for 59 yards. Do I love that? No. But it's it's going to get me 9 to 12 points. And then you get Colt McCoy just freaking pop gun. Uh, like I, I imagine that just continues. We're going to get another 8 to 10 targets, another 7 to 8 catches – And, and that's, it's just going to do its job. Like it's, it's not going to be sexy, but you're going to look at it and be like, okay, thanks for the 13. Not bad. Like, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. That was a good performance. Let's do this again. (laughs) Like that's how I look at him. Um, in terms of the other guys, they have a little more sex appeal, but definitely a lower floor. You're, you're definitely, uh, could bottom out with a
0: Nelson Aguilar, but man, he's been a touchdown. (laughs) They might steal your wallet. What's that? They might steal your wallet. Or something. Exactly. Sterling Shepard's not stealing your wallet. Very well. No,
1: Shepard's reliable, nice, like polite, just like a pleasant experience all around.
0: Maybe do the ditches before he leaves.
1: Exactly. Exactly. These guys might backhand you, sprint out with your wallet. Like they, you never know what's going to happen with Yeah, on um, all your stuff. Ex- oh. Very well could happen. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at that doing that. I know you're
0: well-versed in that, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but He's been, Thousand Aguilar. throw out the two awful wind games. Uh, I mean, one of them against Cleveland, and then there was a complete dud in there against Denver. But th- that's two of his last one, two, three, four, eight games. He's 6 of 8. He's been very steady, 14, 15, 22, 0, 14, 2, 21, 10. Like, pretty damn steady. He's got touchdowns in all those games except three of them. Like, he's been scoring. He's the number one. Derek Carr sucks. Like, I don't want anything attached to Derek Carr. But he's getting the ball to Aguilar. He gets the Jets the fourth most points allowed. And then Lazard, I mean, anything attached to Rodgers is worthwhile, in my opinion, especially the number two. I think, to me, he's the clear number two. That was even more clear when he got six targets against Chicago, a nice sturdy 12 points against one of the best defenses at wide receiver, uh, 12 points, wide receiver 30. He's been uh, top 30 receiver in three of his four full games, been top 16 in two of those, and now you get a, a solid matchup here. I'm all about it with Alan Lazard. I think he's going to be a nice, steady, reliable guy. I think he's very, very undervalued by the experts right here.
0: All right, the guys you're lower on at wide receiver, I almost feel like these guys don't even require much of an explanation. You got CD Lamb going against Baltimore. You got your wide receiver, 45. That's 15 lower than the experts. That's a big discrepancy, but, I mean, even the experts don't think he's very good. And then you got Tyler Boyd against Miami, wide receiver, 46, 14 below the experts. These are both obviously products of the fact that they're playing with just far, far inferior quarterbacks than what they started the year with. Yeah. I don't Is there anything else to add other than that? These are guys that, like, were not very good, and you think they're going to be even worse than other people do. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what the case is. But
1: the reason I picked them and, like, the names I picked for the hires, too, is like these are the ones people are weighing for sit start decisions. Uh, it's easy for me to go to, like, say, yeah, start freaking, you know, Devontae Adams this week. Like, of course I'm higher on Devontae Adams, but these are the ones you're weighing. And, and according to the ECR, both of these guys are above. All three of the guys I just outlined for hire. Wow. Uh, so to me, it's like, okay, if, if the experts are ranking above these guys, I can make a really strong case for. What's the case for C.D. Lamb? What's the case for Tyler Boyd? The talent is certainly there. I get that. But you need somebody, especially at wide receiver. Running backs can kind of overcome what's around them. Receiver, you need the guy to get you the ball. And sure, C.D. Lamb's had that happen when he was facing two of the green light matchups. But in all the red or worse, like, the, like if it's bottom 15 or worse, He's had 0.7 points and five points over his last like three games against bottom 15 or worse defenses. Baltimore is one of the better defenses in the league. That doesn't bode well for him. And then Tyler Boyd has Brandon Allen thrown to him. Like, What more do you need to know? It worked out for T. Higgins last week. Maybe it could work out for Boyd. I'm certainly not trusting anything in my lineup to do with Brandon Allen ever.
0: All right. Hail Mary. Rashad Perryman going against Vegas. He's 12% owned. He's a wide receiver, 39. You got him seven spots higher. Keelan Cole, 27% owned. You got him as your wide receiver, 44. I'm not sure where the experts have him. But I could see both of them as legitimate long shots. Absolutely. And Perriman being the, the bigger one, I feel like I've done him a couple times, so I wanted to give another name
1: because Perriman's too easy. It's an automatic win for these every single time. The last few weeks, 25 points, wide receiver, 4. 12 points, the wide receiver, 26. And 10 points, the wide receiver, 31. I mean, he's been – Top 31, top 32, and he gets ranked in the, the 50s every single week. I, I don't get it. He's He's got the speed. He's got the big body. He could do it after the catch. And it was just good to see him do it with Darnold again. Eight targets last week. Darnold was roping it down the field to the guy. His average depth of target uh, over these last five weeks since he came back from injury. Has been number one in the league. Like I I like Brashad Perriman quite a bit. He'd be my number one choice by far on the waiver wire if I need a receiver fill-in. But Cole, not a bad option either. Minnesota, a great green matchup, one of the worst cornerbacking duos in the league, uh, Chark's looking like he's going to be back, but that honestly isn't really a bad thing for Cole when he could draw the number twos. Uh, he, he ends up doing a lot better. He, he's he been inconsistent. He had 19 two weeks ago, and he's only had four and six since then. So uh, he's not one I feel great about compared to Perriman, but between the matchup and and drawing some weak-ass corners, I could see him being a guy if Perriman's gone that you, that you could turn to.
0: All right, tight ends. Johnu Smith, you got him as your tight end seven. That's four spots higher than the expert. Someone uh, way back earlier in the show asked a question about uh, Smith over somebody else. So uh, sell us on Smith.
1: Yeah, it's – I mean, touchdown or bust, like, pretty much the entire position uh, this year. So I think this is a great spot for him to score a touchdown. Cleveland's given up the second most fantasy points to the position. We had 10, 9, and 10 points for Johnu before his just complete goose egg disappearing act. I understand if you're like – fuck this guy, never want to put him in again. He got me zero. Didn't even get targeted last week against Indy. But Indy's also the hardest team for tight ends right now, whereas Cleveland's the second easiest. I think you get tight end 8, 8, and 12 these last few weeks. Uh, before that, I think John Smith is a good bet to find the end zone. I, I mean, I already talked about how I like Tannehill as my quarterback hire. I think they're just going to mow through the grounds. I think John will be a part of that. Uh, in addition to obviously AJ Brown and I think Corey Davis, and I think they all have good days. That's why I'm so high on Tannehill because I also think John Smith call, calls uh, Pader at least once, maybe even twice. Definitely high on John who this week for sure.
0: All right, lower. You don't really have much on this one. You only had two spots difference. You know, that was the biggest difference you had with the experts on these. So these seem pretty cut and dry. Right. Uh, you picked Hunter, Hunter Henry going against New England, tight end eight, experts had him six. Not much of a difference. Why not a little bit higher on Henry? Exactly. The, the, the Pats have given up the third
1: fewest to tight end. So it's, you know, that's like one little note there. And this, I, I've done Henry a few times on this spot. Uh, I, I like him, just don't love him. Like, I, I love the offense. I love Herbert. Uh, but and he's been doing a, a bit better now 11, 13, and 10 across his last three. So it's not quite the easy smash lower that he has been. Uh, but I just, ah, it doesn't do much for me. Um, so I'm, I I think against the Pats, he's going to be one they take out pretty easily in my opinion.
0: All right. Hail Mary, your guy, Kyle Rudolph, 15% owned. We talked about him a little bit, uh, going against Jacksonville. If no Irv, of course we mentioned. And then you also got Trey Burton going against Houston, uh, Houston, 19% owned.
1: Yep, and I just wanted to give Trey, in case Irv sits, I wanted to have a backup plan, but Kyle's definitely the guy at 15% owned. If you need a tight end, target him this week. Jacksonville matchup, fourth most points to tight ends, uh, playing a season high in snaps, setting the season high in catches, targets, and yards all in one week. I think he just builds on that, an even easier matchup against Jacksonville this week. Should he be the guy? Should Irv Smith be gone? And if not, then Trey Burton. He scored in back-to-back weeks. Uh, you know, he's six targets last week. It's a pretty ugly 3 headed mess over there. Uh, But ultimately he's the one that's getting it done, especially in the red zone. Tight end seven last week. Wouldn't be surprised to see him find the end zone against Houston and a a game. I think the Colts will not struggle to put up any points. All righty guys. Well, that's the, the whole show. Thank you guys so much for yet another engaged, awesome, like back and forth every time you know, the hour long mailbags. We love them. That's why we, why we do it. Cause you guys are so fucking great. Uh, good to see old fans returning and everything too. Um, you can find all our stuff at dot We breed and feed fantasy wolves on all your socials, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube is great to get our subscriptions up. We're so happy for that. Uh, you want to help the pod out? Reviews are so helpful on the podcast to help us get discovered for people that do that good stuff. Uh, Austin saying he'd buy some merch and stuff. So yeah, maybe we can get a merch store or something like that going for you guys uh, defending the title. Love to hear it. Uh, so yeah, maybe next week we'll, we'll post something like maybe we'll get a, a Venmo. You know, I don't you know, want people like, have
0: asked where, well, yeah, I don't want to like be like walking around like panhandling, but like it, it does seem like enough people want to help. So we'll, we'll talk with CJ and we'll try to come up with exactly. a way, whether we're pumping out more merch or whatever. We really appreciate the offers guys. Yeah
1: awesome guys we appreciate it we're, we're so happy to help you that's why we do it to grow the pack which is great people like you uh, but you know if, if you want to help out other ways we'll certainly appease the pack in that sense too uh, you guys are awesome so thank you guys so much for tuning in I am the wolf I'm the truth later guys see ya we used to have it all but now's our curtain call so hold for the applause oh oh oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 At least we stole the show
0: Straight ahead, Devlin, second effort, third effort, touchdown